Hello and welcome back to the ASAP Weekly Age of Empires podcast. I feel like I haven't said that in a while. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Lazero. At least that's my internet name. And I'm joined by Matt. How's it going, Matt? Hey, hey, how's it going? It's going well. <laughs> it's going good. It's going good. Um, only just quick housekeeping things. Uh, there is the AOE4 is releasing uh, probably just a couple days after this episode drops. Uh, so with that in mind, um, on Friday, October the 29th, that's 7 p.m. Eastern, I'll be doing some AOE4 streaming. So if you want to join, feel free. If you want to yell me in the Discord um, why we haven't had an episode last month, also feel free to join the Discord. Uh, you may also uh, be able to catch all the, all the newest updates for our show there as well. Um, but yeah, this this will be a heavily AOE4 focused show. I think for the next month, we can expect everything to be AOE4 focused. So keep that in mind to our listeners. And then um, I'm sure with Boxer Saint, when he comes back on the show, uh, we'll probably do some more AOE too. So we'll be kind of flip-flopping from both, but but for the next little bit, it'll definitely be AOE4 focused. Uh, with that in mind, Matt, have you have you bought AOE4? That's my first question. Uh, yeah, I have. I pre-ordered it uh, some months back. Um, I got it so I could get the... Uh, the Dawn of the Dukes expansion for Age of Empires 2. So I do have it. <laughs> it was was the purchase of the Dawn of the Dukes the excuse you needed to get the AOE 4? Is that what you're telling me? Here? Yes. The, yeah. I'm saying the, the marketing gimmick worked. <laughs> um, I think more than anything, I, I do feel like um, I'm excited for AOE 4, you know, because I listen, if everything else fails and I enjoy it for a month, you know what I mean? Um, so be it, you know, I think that's okay. As long as, as long as I have my enjoyment, I think it's been a while since we've seen a triple a RTS game. If I want to call it that right, a big, uh, well-funded, uh, big development RTS game come out. So I'm happy for that in itself. And I hope it's a success because I think this will dictate whether there'll be more RTS games in the future. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, from what I've sort of seen online is that, uh, a lot of, players from coming from different games uh are excited about this so it's good i think it'll be a success i certainly hope so i think i think the main audience for this game will be surprisingly outside the aoe 4 community um and i this could be actually something we talk about right off the bat right um for those who i mean i don't really need to get into it but um blizzard slash blizzard activision which is the same company now has really a kind of uh (laughs) fallen into a hole of their own making shall we say um if you if you read the news and and all that and i think with that you know with starcraft no longer being supported really um i think there's a lot of starcraft 2 potential crossing over aoe4 especially if they enjoy aoe4 um so much so that in the most recent pylon show so it's a it's a starcraft podcast i listened to they actually mentioned and talked a little bit about aoe4 um, and so I'm kind of excited to see what people think. So I'll, I'll definitely link that if you want to kind of get some StarCraft pros and their, uh, their takes on AOE 4, at least what they think of it so far. Um, but I thought maybe we could start today discussing a little bit about what was talked about on that show. And that was that AOE 4's micro doesn't seem to be all that complex or in that or like you're going to have a harder time just using like your micro mechanics individual kind of army movements to really get an edge but the actual 
um, macro mechanics. So the ability to kind of build up your fort, that's what's going to get you ahead. That's at least their first impression of it. Uh, what do you think of that kind of stance from what you see in Matt? Um, yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, I actually think that's generally true for all RTS games um, at the sort of casual level. I'm not talking about pros where, of course, micro is um, carries the day in, in many cases. But for sort of casual players out out producing your opponent, uh, you know, holding map control, um, you know, weakening their economy while you're getting your economy ahead. Um, spending your resources, those are all recipes for uh, for winning a game. And I think Age of Empires 4 is is no different. There's a part of me that I have always thought about, like, what if you could just macro <laughs> in in uh, RTS game? And I guess AOE 4 might give me the answer to it. Um, who's the better? Just, just two people who can macro and, and control their economy better will just win by having more units. Perhaps, perhaps this will be the purest form of RTS. <laughs> yeah absolutely and actually i'm uh i'm a big fan of uh macro and, and base building and things like that um so uh outside of like outside of like yeah outside of just um just like you know being able to maneuver these three or four units extremely well right for a split second and then you win the battle yeah <laughs> you're exactly. much more of a fan of larger battles and i think aoe 2 does that well right yeah, I think um, so. Especially because AOE two has uh, is infamous for for units and, and their pathing issues. Um, less so in the in the DE version, but uh, certainly the original game there was there were pathing problems that that were very frustrating. Um, so micro wasn't so much an option. It, it's really so. What, what you see a lot is early on if you have skirmisher versus. Um, archer battles you'll see a lot of micro uh there because you have to be able to hit the shots and then i think more than anything it's when ma- uh, mangonels are introduced in aoe2 and you oh, have to yeah. avoid the the massive hits that completely swing the game um i think the one thing aoe4 has is the fact that it will have more aoe in general at least for some of the units we saw but it doesn't seem like the aoe is um the kind of like i think i think when I say AOE, so I mean area of effect damage, I think AOE is the worst when it's like, oh, I'm completely losing a game, but because I have this one unit that happens to hit 30 units, I just win. Um, I think it has maybe AOE that's like, oh, a bunch of units are injured, but it's not necessarily just, oh, I got hit by this and now I lose, right? Yeah, and from what I've seen, the the few games that I've watched played, um, it's not it's not like game ending. So there are mangonels in the game which which do... Uh, a lot of area of effect damage to to bunched up infantry. They're especially good against archers. Um, but it's never like, you know, it's never like getting hit by an onager in Age of Empires 2 where your entire, if you're not paying attention for a split second, your entire army can can get wiped out. So it, it's a lot uh, less punishing, which but I think is I good. I think that, yeah, I think that's better. I mean, like, I even think AoE 2 does it pretty well, like relatively speaking, because... Like if if I were to compare it to StarCraft two, StarCraft two has a lot of things that just kill a bunch of stuff in two seconds, right? So if at any point you're not babysitting your army, you can just lose, right? Um, yeah. While in AOE AOE two in general, like until Maganels come out, like most of the games, a lot of games, you can you can be a little less kind of babysitting your army, which which I think in generals is a good thing because I think it's it's kind of 
while we like comebacks, I think the fact that you clearly one person was better, but then they just like didn't pay attention for two seconds. Like that kind of feels bad when you lose a game like that. Yeah, that feels pretty bad. <laughs> um, do, do you find that? Okay. So the goal of this episode is kind of preview AOE 4. Um, what are your kind of first impressions? Because I know you watched a whole bunch of the, the videos kind of leading in. The, the nice videos, honestly, that Microsoft has made with Relic Games uh, kind of showing a couple matches. What are, what are your kind of first initial impressions of the game? Um, well, my first uh, impressions are uh, very positive. Um, I think the game looks fantastic. Um, I think there are uh, there are certainly changes that um, that we can see from the early um, sort of alpha videos um, up up to what we've been seeing in the past few weeks. There are some big improvements. Um, the game looks uh, looks very exciting. Like there's a lot of action early, which Age of Empires three had a lot of, but a little too much in my opinion. Um, it's it seems like a, there's a good balance of where uh, you want to make some early units to either rush your opponent or defend your own base. Um, but there's also a real focus on ramping up your economy early on. Uh, each Civ has some way of doing that. Uh, each Civ has early game bonuses that they want to take advantage of. Um, so I think uh, it's it's a really nice balance between um early aggression versus sort of early booming um and of course uh you do have to be careful if if your opponent um, is rushing you and you're unprepared it, it looks like it could be pretty uh, pretty devastating and it looks like the game could end right there yeah i kind of feel like this is going to be a game that's going to take a little bit of time to figure out i think a lot of aoe2 players might not remember the experience of like a new game being released in a complete new meta like forming um, I think it's at times the most exciting, the most ridiculous things because uh, someone's going to find some broken thing and then everyone's going to start doing that, but then everyone has to counter it. And because the game is so new, there's just so many possibilities, right? Um, I think for me, the one thing that I'm looking at is the eight civilizations. And I do like how they distinct they feel for the most part. Um, there's a Absolutely. part of me that there's a part of me that would have liked even less. Um but maybe that is my because I I think I think AOE well we've talked about this like where AOE two a lot of the civs feel very similar um, yeah these civs feel a lot more distinct and so that's why eight feels a lot feels like a lot that being said I think what this will allow is the game to have especially the early game shall we say the what I mean early game I mean the the early just after release part of the game I think people will enjoy this game for like a couple couple weeks couple months longer than they would otherwise just because you're trying to figure out you're probably going to play like start off play random just have fun with all these random civs and try to figure them out as you go and then maybe you'll start trying to master one civ at a time so i think there'll be plenty of base um what would you call it kind of base introduction to the game uh getting used to all of the civs i think that will that's what the nice thing will be about the aces yeah, and that uh, that's part of the fun, I think. A brand new game, um, not really any builds or or meta. Um, everyone's just kind of feeling out the feel, testing the waters and and seeing what works, what doesn't, what they like, what they find fun. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really great. That's it's part of the sort of the, the freshness of of a game. 
It's not like, uh, you know, for example, <laughs> trying to get into Age of Empires 2, for example, where there's been a community and there have been builds for, for you know, 15, 20 years. It's It sort of seems like a steep learning curve, but uh, in Age of Empires 4, everyone's figuring out the game. So um, it's uh, it's more fresh in that way. Yeah, I would, unless you're someone who's like planning to go pro or whatever, you know, like planning to like be one of the best players in this game, I would avoid like standard builds and stuff for the, at least the first month. Just enjoy the new RTS experience because you won't have it later. Yeah, um, I think I think so too, and I I plan on on doing that the same thing, just kind of taking in the sights and and seeing how 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 beautiful the game looks and how cool the the units look and and just you know sending my units into battle and just kind of taking my hands off off the keyboard and just just enjoying the the spectacle you know yeah i think every game has a, has its um kind of life there's like there's like two parts of the fun of the game there's the maybe even three i'm gonna, I'm gonna give three distinct parts of, of any game shall we say in general especially a game that's like a multiplayer game right and i'm gonna talk about specifically the multiplayer i'll go to the campaign in a second but in the multiplayer games you have the first bit which i think is the most fun in general where you don't know at all what anything does and you're figuring out as it goes and you're terrible, but you have so much fun. I think that's like the most fun, the introductory, the new things, new shiny things that you're excited about, right? That's kind of the the first phase. And I'm really hoping to keep that to be as, I want to keep that as long as I can, right? And I think if I play too much multiplayer, if, uh, unfortunately it kind of speeds that up process because eventually they're like, oh, I want to win, right? Um, so so there's, there's that first phase where you're just having fun. You don't really care about the builds. You're trying to figure everything out. And my hope to all of you, or I guess in, in order for you to enjoy this game as long as possible, is if you're not trying to be like a you know serious programmer or whatever, you're, you're, you're just trying to enjoy the game, is to enjoy not knowing everything as long as possible and just having fun and, and figuring stuff out by yourself. Um, and then when you want to get serious, you can go into the second phase of having fun, which I think is the the learning phase, right? which I, I enjoy as well, but it's like separate from that, that kind of everything's new. The learning phase where, you know, you start looking at builds, you start making sure your your builds are timed out nicely. You're making sure you're on top of all the army movements and uh, building uh, building buildings and, build, and getting villagers and all those things. You're on top of those things and you're, you're part of that learning cycle. You're figuring out how the game works, what the differences battle against each other. So I think that's like the second phase, which is really fun. And then, and then it kind of goes to the last phase. If you've done that for a while, is you'll get into the competitive one where you want to be the best, right? And that's <laughs> that's where you're gonna you're gonna know every little thing about every civilization, and you're gonna try to get mastery. And I feel like those are kind of the three distinct ones. And the reason I guess I like to put um, maybe split up the the learning phase and the, like the competitive phase is because in the learning phase you can learn a lot very very quickly, right? Um, I think you can become like a B minus player, shall we say, <laughs> in a relatively, maybe not a short amount of time, but there's just so much to learn. So you just by the fact that you're playing regularly, you'll get better really, really quickly. And then the mastery phase or the com competing phase at the end is like, oh, I want to play in tournaments and stuff. So now you're being really nerdy and figure out making sure everything is perfect, perfect, not just like, oh, I need to learn all this stuff. It's like, no, now I know all this stuff and I need to execute it perfectly and I need to know what the meta is and stuff. So I would say enjoy each of those first two phases before you start going crazy about the third phase if you want to have fun with the game that's that's my uh recommendation yeah i think that's very sound advice um one thing i'll add maybe for the third phase um so in the sort of competitive gamer phase um not for everyone of course 
Um, but I think at that point, if you sort of know the meta and you're following um, sort of what's good and, and all the fine-tuned um, balance changes that are going to be happening over time, um, you also want to sort of try to get ahead of the curve and, and try to create new builds or new uh, new tricks, new army compositions, new timings that, that people aren't uh, expecting. Something sort of outside the meta. You want to stay ahead of the meta in, in some way. Um, it's so tough because unfortunately I feel like all the best players are not the creative types they kind of let the creative types be dominant for a month and then they just like take those builds and make them like super perfect after you know they, they kind of leech from <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I, I will say though uh, what I do yeah so that's kind of the big things I think going into the game I think the first thing I'm going to do is probably just play the campaign I think campaigns in general, when you don't know what the civs do, are are a great start. And it looks I'm very I'm very hyped out about like the cinematics, whether they're even like real person cinematics or, or in game cinematics. I'm I'm quite excited. I I, I want to see what they're doing with that campaign. Um, yeah, I it looks fantastic. I'm I'm so excited for that. I really really enjoyed the the AOE two most recently, the Dawn of the Dukes campaigns. I think that was the most fun I had with AOE two campaigns. And then I've played through the AOE three campaigns. Um, and they're a little short every mission. Like it's kind of like a whole bunch of missions that are really short, if that makes sense, which isn't necessarily bad if you only have a little time of to play. Um, and at least it had a story. I did like the story aspect of it a little bit. Um, but I found there was something weird to like, okay, play for like five, 10 minutes, beat this mission and go on to the next. And I think the difficulty level in, in general is just a little too easy. Um, so there's definitely a lot of fine tuning of campaigns. It's not easy to make a campaign, but it's a great start. I think for any new player to just get familiar with the game itself. So I think that's what I'll be, I'll be starting with when we go into this game. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think I'll be doing the same. Uh, I've spoken already on this show, what, what my thoughts are about the age of empires three campaigns. So I won't reiterate but I am really happy with um, with the way that they've gone uh, with the campaigns in Age of Empires 4. It seems very, uh, very historical. Like they released a bunch of those short videos about uh, about crossbows or about counterweight trebuchets. Um, just a bit of sort of uh, documentary style um, historical videos. And, and it sounds like those will be sort of dotted um, that that you'll you'll come across those during the campaign as you're playing um it's it seems like a sort of um almost like an educational kind of experience which which i think is really cool yeah i think you have to be wary that you don't become it doesn't become too stagnant um the one thing that like with the aoe3 campaigns is like eventually they start being like a little more historical or like the events of the people themselves are not historical but like the things that are going around them are historical um yeah i i think it's very tough to make a campaign so i I have definitely an open mind and i'm excited at least for the quality that i think they'll be able to produce um okay i think with that we can maybe move on a little bit to first of all which civilization from like the videos that you've seen has has most grabbed your attention matt that's a very difficult question because they all have um i'll try to narrow it down maybe I'll, i'll i'll just start by saying that each civilization as as uh, we've said before um feels very unique uh every civ has a core roster of units uh which are like the the spearmen horsemen 
knights, archers, crossbows, men at arms, uh, and then some of the siege weapons are um, are common. But within that, um, there are a whole bunch of unique sort of variations, like the longbow, for example, replaces the archer for the English. So um, there is a lot of variety in that, and also each of those units have different skins. So if you, even though you know both two sieves might be able to create men at arms they look different so it, it kind of it, it doesn't ruin the immersion like for example in that's a nice touch <laughs> yeah I, I really like that um and part of the uniqueness of every sieve is of course their their um their unique bonuses so each sieve has some military bonuses uh, economic advantages uh each sieve has its own uh, like influence bonus which is like um uh some buildings will will create or will have like an influence area around it and anything that's built within that influence area has some kind of bonus to it um so base building also uh varies between sieves for example if you're french you want to be building uh stables and archery ranges around your keeps um as Abbasid dynasty uh you want to be clumping all your buildings together because um, the amount of buildings you have in your influence determines uh, like your golden age. So it all feels very, very nice, very different. Um, I think the sieves that most caught my attention um, are the Holy Roman Empire. They seem to be a, an internet favorite. Um, the, the, the heavy infantry um, with, uh, with monks and, and defensive play style. I think it, it looks really cool. The architectural, architecture looks fantastic. Um, the French look really great. Um, they have all kinds of insane, uh, economic advantages like faster working town centers, cheaper drop-off buildings, cheaper economic techs, um, like really, really powerful stuff. Um, I think those two probably, and, and, uh, and the Abbasid dynasty looks really interesting as well with their house of wisdom, um, that where you add on uh wings and then each of those wings contains um contains technologies that you can research through the ages um some really powerful stuff in there as well like half-costed villagers i think and and cheaper techs so if you can get those wings early and research those techs early that gives you a huge advantage it can really snowball um, during the course of the game so i would say those three are probably uh probably my favorite sieves yeah, and I, I feel like the one thing that I'm 100% certain is going to happen is I'm going to be playing this game and I'm going to be actively reading the text as it happens. You know what I mean? I don't think I'm going to like research too much ahead of time. Um, and maybe the campaign will help me a little bit, but I feel like I'll be clicking on buildings and trying to figure out, um, you know, what's going on. What it, what uh, what does this do? Is this an upgrade I should get? I think the one thing in AOE 2 that sometimes that I, I fall into the trap of um, especially because you know when you're bad your economy like floats sometimes is i'll just get all the upgrades <laughs> uh, even though yeah, that's like classic. half of them are useless <laughs> um so so you know i think that will be interesting kind of figuring every sieve as it goes um how do you feel like it's kind of funny because it, it this kind of feels like an alternate alternate dimension aoe2 a little bit um like if if you there are certain things from AOE 2 that they've definitely taken, but it's like, it's not even comparable to being the same game. You know, I'm, I'm sure when we start playing, we'll especially feel that like yeah. the feel of playing the game will be very different. Um, but 
the fact that it is kind of medieval times and you know you have your villagers and there's certain stuff that you did in aoe2 they can do in this game kind of is like a bridge so i find that very fascinating myself yeah yeah i like that as well um age of empires 2 is, is my favorite of the age of empires games that i've played and this definitely feels like it's it's built on top of um on top of the, the foundation <laughs> sort of of aoe2 in a sense a lot of the same unit names and then the same time period so uh yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's uh that's really really cool and so relic uh, entertainment i just want to say so the 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 um what's it called relic entertainment the studio that is producing this game uh is the same game that made homeworld right they're the same same entertain oh, studio i need to say studio uh so they they made uh homeworld i don't know if you've ever played homeworld and they also made um dawn of war right warhammer 40,000 yeah i've played, played the dawn of, of war games i've played the dawn of war games i haven't played uh, the other one you mentioned homeworld yeah homeworld is is kind of a wild game i think uh it feels like homeworld is a little bit of a trip let me put it that way it feels like an rts game that is it's for anyone can play it but it's it's in space and there's just it's a lot slower if that makes sense it it's like it's kind of like an RTS game that doesn't feel like what I associate modern RTS be. And then the other most interesting thing is they made Company of Heroes, um, which, yeah. which I find which is interesting because this game does not feel like Company of Heroes. <laughs> Maybe no. in like the aesthetic a little bit. Would would you say that? But but uh, not in the gameplay. Yeah, certainly not in the gameplay. I I've played Company of Heroes as well, both one and two. Um. Yeah, those games are uh, as well as Dawn of War Two. Dawn of War Two shares a lot of sim- a lot of similarities with Company of Heroes. Those games are very much about squad based uh, warfare. And it's like when you have guns, like the, the like the hiding behind things. I think was a big part of those games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have which, to you have to take cover, otherwise you're you're going to get mowed down. Um, which is not the case because of just the sheer nature of this game being in the medieval times, right? Yeah. Um, it's, although it's, the playing are- it's completely different. Um, it's really age of empires four is really about sort of building up your, your base, your, your, your town. Um, but the company of heroes games are, the buildings are kind of uh, there by necessity or by accident. Really the core <laughs> yes. of the game is about your squads and your vehicles it's about positioning and microing your units, uh, retreating when you when when you're facing overwhelming odds, strategic uh, barrages and artillery strikes. It's really about sort of the the troops on the ground and, and the squad based uh, combat. Which I mean, I think there's another portion of RTS players that love that stuff where it's like constant engagement and stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which I think this game will be much more for the the macro nerds a little bit. Um, where where if you want to, it's going to be a lot more about making sure you're just doing more stuff than your opponent, right? Um, which is, you know, if you want to take RTS to its very beginnings in, in StarCraft Brood War, right? That's what it was. It's like the strategy mattered a little less. It's like, can you just do more stuff than your opponent? Yeah. Um, which, which I think is good in a sense. Um, 
what I wanted to ask now, maybe, is uh, is there any... So we talked about the sieves. Is there any particular... Because I know we watched a couple of the games. Any particular unit or maybe even mechanic in the game that like stood out to you as you watched those games that you're like, wow, this is... I did not think of it. This would work this way. Um, well, that's not a question I've, I've thought about very much. I would say it's another it's another hard question. <laughs> I would say that I really enjoy the fact that infantry units now build uh, battering rams in the field. Um, I think that's really thematic, really cool. Um, for the Abbasid dynasty, uh, I think their infantry can build all of their siege weapons in the field. So that's really handy where you can just kind of retreat a little bit and then if you need a mangonel or a ram you can just build it um you don't have to build a siege workshop and and wait for it to to roll to the front lines um i think that's very thematic and and historically accurate of course i think it's like stuff like that is gonna avoid the um aoe2 thing of we're just gonna build production buildings in your base (laughs) yeah (laughs) a little bit you know which which i think is like it's fine for the game. You like you understand the strategy, but like, it's not. It's not like AOE two has okay. AOE two is not trying to be the most realistic medieval game of all time. But no. there is something kind of ridiculous of like, yes, I shall go into your base and build a castle, which I mean you're you're kind of gonna do. But like, I shall build my siege workshop and my stable right out front of your base so I can reinforce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I think the the castle in your base is probably still gonna happen uh that seems to yes be, yeah <laughs> it seems to be a, p- a powerful uh powerful thing i think chinese i think the chinese build their buildings faster so they have an even bigger advantage i was watching one of the uh, the preview like uh shows by the way i think most of these you can get on the microsoft aoe4 youtube channel uh, definitely their twitch channel if, if uh, age of empires 4 i'm sure you can look it up um there it was one of them where i just saw the castle and i think it was like a specific to like that civilization's castle being like a little bit better or whatever but it was just like like the bone arrows were like a machine gun like it, it was kind of wild to me <laughs> to see like yeah. these two castles just like shooting arrows at each other i'm like this this does not feel like anything i've seen before in an rts yeah i i, I think i know which one you're talking about I, for, I forget what game it was or what building it was it may have been a landmark actually I think it was a landmark. That's why that castle specifically had some upgrades or whatever. But okay, it was, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was interesting because it kind of felt like the, um, it kind of felt like this is how you're going to mark territory. Like castles are actually going to be used in a way, like their range is pretty ridiculous. I think from what I from what I saw at least. So they're going to very yeah. much be like if you place a castle, um, you're going to have a tough time to to really like fight for this area now, right? You're going to have to get your siege weapons in order to to take it down. Um, yeah. And so, so I think I mean that I think that's cool because sometimes like in AOE two, the castles are very good at controlling territory, and other times they are not. <laughs> like if you yeah. if you play if you place a castle against like a cavalry so that just goes around, you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these castles are are not boxing you in. But you got enough of them, and then all of a sudden they're really strong. So yeah, I, I wonder how castles are going to play out a little bit. Um, yeah, there were some other things though. I thought trebuchets you can get a lot earlier. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think they're feudal age units. If, which which kind of makes sense because yeah. like I, I think they'll probably be a little weaker than you'd think in AoE two, but it they feel in AoE four it just felt like a rush to Imperial Age to get Trebs, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> that was 
kind of the way and i, f- I think more than anything the trebs are just going to knock down wooden walls early on like i kind of feel like that that is their purpose yeah i think uh actually i, th- I think they might be castle age i don't think they're feudal age that's that seems very early but uh yeah trebuchets in age of empires 2 are sort of like they're like the king of taking out the opponent's base um it's all about at some point in the game it's all about who can get to imperial age first and build more trebuchets um and they have you know insane range and and uh they're great in in age of empires 4 i feel like they're a much more much more of a, like a strategic tool that you sort of you you build it when you need it it can take down fortifications at range but the bulk of your sort of damage you know might come from battering rams and and your own and your your actual infantry units so yeah 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 it seems uh it seems really cool actually a note on the on the trebuchets um there are different kinds i think from what i've seen there's the counterweight trebuchet which is uh which like most of the european civs have but then there's also like a i think it's like a torsion trebuchet or something it was a, a Mongol trebuchet. It was called something different, and I think it had slightly different stats. So I just thought that was a really nice touch. Huh. Yeah, no, no, I, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I'm going to try to not speculate on the game itself until I've played it, obviously. Uh, too, yeah, too much, because I think I think we're slowly approaching where, like, you know, in our last episodes where we had speculation and stuff, then it's it's kind of okay. But we're, we're kind of getting to the point where there are um, some people who've played the game and by the time they hear this, some people who've definitely played the game, right? Because it's been yeah. released like a, a couple of days after this episode releases. So I don't want I don't want to go too much more speculation into the game itself. I'm sure we'll talk about it in uh, in a week or so, um, whether it's with with me and you or with Boxer Saint. Um, but the yeah the I'm I'm definitely hyped. I'm definitely excited. Um, I'm imagining it's going to feel very different from most RTS games. Which I mean, I, I guess it should, um, and I'm I'm kind of ready. Are, are are you are you ready? Are you ready to uh, to explore AOE four when it comes out in a couple of days? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so ready. Uh, last maybe last question here because I <laughs> I know some people are really I don't know mad about this, but I think I think one thing that I've learned about the AOE two community is a lot of them don't like change. So <laughs> anything that's not like AOE two, they're like, oh, that's bad. Um, but the they're using age one age two age three age four instead of dark feudal and uh castle and imperial how do you feel about that oh yeah i i wasn't aware i thought yeah i guess that's true i hadn't thought about that but i I, aren't the aren't the official names of the ages dark feudal castle and imperial it's age one age two age three age four Okay, interesting. I I wasn't aware. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't. I'm not particularly attached. I think that's fine. This is where semantics. You know, some people really care about them, and some people are like, "Yeah, it's fine." Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really not an issue. If this game is good or bad, I don't think the name of the age uh, will matter. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not going to be the deciding factor. Um, I, I like well, the one thing that I am curious about something like this is whether it was because of like historical um like uh you know talking to his his history professors or whatever or whether it was just like a a choice to like be like okay anyone who's going into this game will know um because well i don't know if you know but like with dark age 
um, there's a lot of historians that don't like using that um, because it's kind of a little bit of a misnomer. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's it. It kind of already paints uh, a certain time period in a, in a certain light, which may not be fair to the time period itself, um, which is, you know, post Roman empire fall. And uh, before you start getting the, the bigger kingdoms uh, in France and Germany and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, I think maybe, yeah, I'm curious whether it was a historical choice or whether it was just uh this will simplify the game for new players. <clears throat> One thing uh, I guess what we could talk about here is as well. Um, I'm curious if you think AOE two players will like this game because that's one thing that I'm kind of getting an inkling that some AOE two players are not, at least what they saw in the beta or the alpha, they're not very fond. Maybe not fond, but maybe not as excited as I am. Perhaps. Um, I, you know, this is the question, right? Like, am, am I am I talking to a very specific audience that is like? a competitive AOE 2 audience, which of course they are more likely to not like the game, I think by nature, because they're like, Oh, I'm just going to play AOE 2 like this. Like it's, um, I don't know if it's a bias in that already. Um, or if there are certain things, I think that I think as well as like some of the beta was very laggy and stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that was very, um, maybe not made it easy to play. So I, d- I wonder, I wonder if that had any effect. Um, but yeah, do, do you feel like there might be a pushback from those hardcore AOE 2 players? Well, I think th- that's sort of inevitable. I think, uh, you know, Age of Empires 2 has a pretty big following. I think some players will, of course, stay with Age of Empires 2 and they'll refuse to touch Age of Empires 4 uh, just kind of out of principle. Um, it might be a nostalgia thing or it might be because, I don't know, maybe they've invested so many hours into getting good at Age of Empires 2 that they don't, that they want to sort of keep playing that game. I think generally, though, um, because the two games are set in a similar time period with similar units and uh, similar um, civilizations in many cases, I think generally, um, I at least I would expect um, Age of Empires 2 players to react well to this game overall, with, with, with some exceptions, of course. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I think this is definitely the fine line. Um, I think we'll know, like, I, I'm sure I'll be, I'll, I'll enjoy it in the beginning for sure. You know what I mean? Um, especially if I'm not trying to play competitive, I'm just playing campaigns or, or just trying out multiplayer for the first time. I'm sure I'll enjoy that part. I'll be curious. I'm definitely curious, like, post, like, Christmas break. You know what I mean? Like, the last last two weeks of December, I think, I think definitely a lot of people are going to play this game a whole bunch till then um my my big curiosity is always like the january start right uh, i think that's when we'll kind of know if this is like oh people are love this game and a lot of people switched over to this game or you'll see people kind of falling back to aoe2 um yeah i'm curious i'm curious whether we can garner a very big audience that's outside of the aoe2 audience and i think that would be good in general the one thing i wouldn't wish is for this game to do poorly <laughs> And I think all AOE 2 and even AOE 3 players should wish that this game does well um, because it means their games will be supported for longer. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and and I hope this game succeeds as well. Um, you know, the, the the first few weeks of that, that a game is released is sort of tends to be the determining factor. You know, if it sucks, if there are too many issues, bugs, lagging, crashes... 
then the game has very little chance of sort of redeeming itself after those first few weeks. So I think, and like you said, this is sort of the the big sort of flagship RTS um, in the last several years. Um, so I think for the entire RTS genre, um, it would be good for this game to succeed. And plus it has the backing of Microsoft, right? Unlike... Yeah. Um, so, like, there are some other RTS projects, which I definitely would encourage looking out for. Um, however, they're kind of more, I guess, um, self-funded projects, which I think are really cool, but, they, you know, they don't have this big backing. So it'd be, it'd be good to have an RTS that actually has the backing of a major company um, kind of around, I think. Uh, oh, I... Yeah, I almost forgot to mention this. So you've seen the UI in the games, right? This kind of black and gold look. How do you feel yes. about it? Um, how do I feel about it? Um, I, I don't know. I'm sort of neutral about it. I think it looks pretty nice. It feels kind of slick um, and intuitive. From what I've seen uh in the, in the games that i've watched that i'm maybe not a huge fan of is uh when whenever you select a group of units mm-hmm. um you have a sort of like a unit card with different commands that you can give them it feels sort of um i, I don't really know how to describe it but it, it looks like you can't really cycle through units if you have for example if you've selected three different kinds of military units you can't tap um, through them. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can or not, but it sort of seems a little clunky. Um, so that I might, I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, the Chinese also, they seem to have, um, like it says what their their dynasty is, what what dynasty they're in currently. It's kind of like a big button in the top, sort of center of the screen. It's a little distracting, maybe. Um, but otherwise, it seems fairly, uh, fairly, fairly good. I think. Oh, and and maybe one last thing. There's also like a queue when when you select a building. There's a queue that shows you what's building. Um, that's it. Feels kind of weird. I don't know that just the the where it's placed um, doesn't look that great. So there are some things that I would maybe change. But overall, I think it looks nice and it looks slick. I, I wonder if those things are things that you can maybe change um, in-game. Like, I hope there'd be some options to kind of move that around a little bit or, or change things. So we'll see. We'll see, Yeah, uh, as I, I do. I kind of feel like it's kind of weird because I think some people listening in the show know a lot more about this game at this point than I do um, because they're part of the beta testing. Um, so I'm excited, and, and hopefully it'll live up to it. I like the UI. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that don't very much don't or maybe there's maybe a vocal minority i don't know but um i did hear some people who really didn't like it um which i found interesting and i think another thing is maybe the art aesthetic like the the nature of the art aesthetic because i think this might be something we can talk about a little bit here quickly um i think aoe 2 has like a weirdly realistic looking art style if that makes sense um like it it, it, it feels very I don't want to say dirty, but you know what I mean? Like it feels very sharp uh, and and gritty a little bit and maybe like a little bit pixelated, but I think it actually adds to it as opposed to like this, 
this kind of bulkier version. I think one thing, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before on the show, but I think the reason most modern RTSs tend to like to make things a little bulkier is it's a lot easier to click. Um, if you have things that are thin, they're just a lot harder to click. So in general, like people like to make their units a little bulkier. Um, but but I think there's something to the art aesthetic of AoE 2 that's, that's very unique. I don't think there's a lot of other video games that have that kind of aesthetic, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I, I know what you mean. Um yeah, the Age of Empires 2 um, sort of aesthetic, and especially on the units, it, it does feel a little kind of a little dirtier uh, in, in some ways. Um, there's also a lot of blood whenever a unit gets killed. Yeah. There's a lot of blood. Um, but it looks kind of fake. Like, is that weird? It like looks more realistic, but it also look, looks a lot more looks fake. looks more <laughs> fake. Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird, but I, I get what you're saying. It, from what I've seen, uh, Age of Empires Four looks like they've sort of moved away from the from gory, uh, gory unit deaths. Um, and I don't know. I I kind of feel neutral about that. Neither positive nor negative. It's it's a choice, design choice they made, and and um, I think generally it looks cool. The one thing I'll say that doesn't look great is the uh the death animations on siege weapons mm, they, mm-hmm. like they just kind of go up in smoke they kind of go poof and it's <laughs> a pile of rubble uh, i don't like that at all um but otherwise it looks it looks fine it looks good actually i, I like it yeah i think the one thing i actually would like i maybe and this is obviously i'm watching secondhand these videos right is i'd actually like if the colors were the map colors were a little, I don't know if it was brighter is the right word, but sometimes they feel like a little um, faded almost, if that makes sense. Um, but perhaps when I'm playing the game, I, I'll actually see that difference. Perhaps it's like a thing where, where you're streaming. But the one thing I noticed about the maps is they all kind of feel a little dark <laughs> uh, and not as vibrant in color, which is kind of weird because I, I, I was assuming that this game would be a lot more vibrant. Um, but the actual map itself looks was very gritty. And I mean, not gritty, but just faded in, in its color palette um, while the buildings may have like a little brighter colors. It's it's interesting in that sense. But I think I think you do want the the trees and the leaves and everything to be pretty to look at as well. So that's just my two cents. Because Yeah, you know, I, I tend to agree with that. It doesn't need to look realistic. It just needs to... It's, it just needs to look like... Um, I enjoy looking at the screen um, because if if everything looks like you know, uh, uh, what is it, the forest in winter with no leaves and just <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then, it is it is a a nice sort of a nice looking game and and I think they've deliberately made the UI smaller to to give you sort of a, a nicer a bigger um, screen to look at to see more of the map. Um, and, um, I do think the game looks, uh, looks quite nice. So yeah, I think that it's, it's important for the entire game, not just your units and your buildings, but also the map and like natural resources to, to look good. It needs to be yeah. pleasant to look at. Yes. Yeah. I rather pleasant over realistic. That's my own. I, I, I don't mind the, the, the fancy colors, you know, the, <laughs> the bright palette. Okay. Uh, I think this is where we'll end the show here. Uh, thank you, Matt, so much for being on. Um, well, thank you for thank having you for the, me. 
Yeah, thank you, thank you for the patience for all our listeners. Uh, I know this episode's a little late. Um, however, um, for those who don't know, uh, two, about two weeks ago, I, I moved my whole life and I started a new job. So um, uh, hopefully hopefully everything will settle down going into the future. I'm going to try to get a show with Boxer Saint hopefully over uh, next weekend, like a week, week and a half, so we can we can have something a little more. I mean, just just to review AOE four, and then maybe we'll go back to our two week schedule. We'll see, we'll see exactly. We'll we'll kind of play that by ear. Once again, join our Discord if you want more info on that. Um, AOE four stream on Friday, October the twenty ninth at um, at seven p.m. Eastern. And I think with that, I think that's where we shall end uh, the show. Um, so thank you once again, Matt, for being on and. I hope all of you enjoy Age of Empires 4. Have a good one. And thanks. Cheers. Bye.